Today I'm going to talk about one of the two things I'm going to talk about today is a video collection by Devo called The Complete Truth About De-Evolution. It's my fourth favorite music video. By music video, I use it as a collective term. It could be a concert video or, in this case, a collection of videos. Uh, Devo is in my Hall of Fame. They're my 61st favorite artist. And this is my fourth favorite uh, video, if I hadn't mentioned that already. The, what you're hearing in the background is the easy listening version of Jaco Homo. One thing about Devo, in, as they were living in their parents' basement down in, uh, in, in over in, in Ohio, down in, come on now, in Ohio, uh, is uh, they, they, arguably they pioneered the music video concept that would actually require a storyboard. Uh, what they did for the most part is they would perform a, a, an overdub of their of them just pretty much live and then I wish I wouldn't say pretty much so much and uh, their Chuck Slater I think his name is he, he Statler would in, interject cutscenes of unusual activity like a lady wearing a mask and a couple of monkeys spanking her with ping pong paddles I'm Gerald Vincent Casali Chief strategist of the band Okay, those are the Glimmer Twins talking right there. But they, they offer a commentary on here. Uh, other things they would incorporate or they would interject are, are uh, baby playing with a toaster, wearing a mask. A lot of masks and, and a lot of uh, what they preach about, which is the de-evolution of humanity, in which people would sell out their souls for war, or for nuclear waste and, and have a fallacy of happiness best captured in one of the greatest Devo songs of all time in the videos on here called Beautiful World and what, you're, what you will see in this video is a lot of in this video collection are a lot of smart aleck college age kids who have already figured out The, perp the meaning of life. Let's put it that way. This is why I give it an A. Right now I'm looking at four workers, all with their, their, their faces distorted possibly from nuclear, a nuclear blast. And they're about to walk into a garage and perform their cover of Secret Agent Man. They're driving an old uh, gas-guzzling Camaro. This video was shot in the mid-70s. And why this is why I say they are pioneers of the music video uh, storyboard form, I should say. Uh, before that, I, I think uh, there was a video director, producer who who did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, and he picked up other work, and so there was some innovation there. This one tech, took it a step further, and Devo had a theme about them. I'm tr I have another minute and a half to go here. So there was a cover of Secret Agent Man, and then there's a cover of Satisfaction, one of the greatest covers. I think it's my third or fourth favorite cover of all time. And their robotic movements are fascinating on here. And they're wearing their chemical suits on here. And there's an infomercial, there's an infomercial of, of them talking about what's going on in the videos. And here is uh, 
<laughs> Here's another thing they possibly pioneered. The video for Comeback Johnny, apart from the cutscene where they're three old men uh, bowling, here they are in a, like an Arizona setting wearing uh, these silly cowboy outfits and they are stage diving. And there are a lot of females in there, so I think this is all hired help or people off the street. I wish I can get more into this, but I only have 30 seconds to go. But uh, there, one of the songs that did not make it onto the album, uh, to one of the early albums, it's called uh, It Takes a Worried Man, and there's a little featurette in here. And Lorraine Newman is featured in it, and this is the cutest she's ever looked because she had a... Anorexic issues, and you can you can tell that right here. But anyway, I only have five seconds left. I recommend, highly recommend, the complete truth about de-evolution. Today, I'm going to talk about two Rolling Stone albums that I randomly drew. This is all going to be a random process. And as if you know anything about the Rolling Stones, you will recognize this song as Rock Soft, the one of my ten favorite Rolling Stones albums, off my favorite uh, songs rather, uh, off of my my uh, favorite Rolling Stones album, which is Exile on Main Street. And uh, let me scroll a little bit here. Okay, so yeah, this is my eighth favorite Rolling Stones song. And this is typically people's, a lot of critics would agree that this is their best album. It's a double album, came out in 72. Uh, a, a lot more crude, uh, more bold than uh, what maybe what their previous albums would allow. And a lot more experimental, as you can tell, with with a, like an Elmore James kind of blues, blues, bluesiness to it. And uh, this is where they start getting a little more creative with their countrified side. Lots of hooks on the album. And this is where I, I... To start elaborating on my take on Rolling Stones, because I happen to draw two of their albums today. This is... The, Rolling Stones are a perfect example of an artist I like and recognize very much so their artistic significance. And although I have nine of their albums, is it nine? Nine or ten of their albums. I don't consider myself a fan. I'm not saying that they don't hold up, their music doesn't hold up, but maybe for me personally it doesn't. I prefer the Beatles, and I even prefer the Who, and I can't, I haven't come across too many things by the Rolling Stones I don't like. It's just, I've never had a sen sentimental, never developed a sentimental connection to the Rolling Stones. 
And uh, so, but nevertheless, I do know when they're, I know when their brilliant moments are. And my brilliant moments, my recognition of brilliant moments are going to be maybe even considerably different from those who identify their greatest moments. In my case, I prefer Devo's version of satisfaction to the overplayed Rolling Stones version of it, even though Richards and Mike, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger wrote Satisfaction. But I'm bored sick with that song. I don't even like Otis Redding's version of it, and uh, Otis Redding is my favorite R&B voice. But nevertheless, I'm, I'm playing their, my fifth favorite Rolling Stones song, Torn and Frayed. And I enjoy how they expanded their uh, their penchant for melodies. One critic referred to Keith Richards as an uh, as a genius by mistake, and I do hear a lot of that. I, I don't resent anything that they I don't resent their existence like I would do a few other rock bands, and, I, and hopefully I'll never have to talk about them because I think there are some rock bands that are just dreadful. The same way that I find a lot of pop these days dreadful. They also have a thing, the, the, uh, the Rolling Stones develop more of a thing for gospel, as you will hear on the song Loving Cup. There's a couple gospel songs I prefer to anything they've done on Exile. Nevertheless, this is their most consistent album, in spite of how, as mentioned before, crude they can be on here. And I just skipped over one of the cruder moments. So a lot of the stuff you may know, 10 seconds to go here. So I'm just going to quickly shuffle through. Okay. So I happened to draw two Rolling Stones albums randomly out of 2340 releases in my collection I go to random.org to to help me decide what to listen to today and this is this is uh, beggar's banquet I didn't mention on when I did my take on uh, exile on Main Street that I give exile on Main Street an A but beggar's banquet I give an a minus why the a, why the minus uh, I uh, there, I appreciate the the more acoustic feel uh, to Beggar's Banquet, and I like how countrified they are on this one. And again, I have not. This is an example of an album that I can, and an overall artist that I have not developed a sentimental sentimental appreciation for. So it would be ironic that when I say that Rolling Stones are my 29th favorite artist. And I don't consider myself a fan because a fan would maybe collect memorabilia or go to a, uh, a concert. I'm not inclined to do that. I play too much of Sympathy for the Devil. Brian Ferry did a cover of it that was a, a lot of fun. And I mentioned the countrified. Uh, element that that uh, most mostly defines Beggar's Banquet. Oh, I don't like the album cover. I prefer the white one, not the one that they use. So good. I, I good good tongue and cheek going on here. 
That'll tongue in cheek. I would define dear doctor and parachute woman. That's what you're hearing with parachute woman. And jigsaw puzzle. That's what I'm playing right now. This closes outside one. It's a, over six minutes long, and it has some climactic moments in the song. But his recurring theme about playing a jigsaw puzzle rather than dealing with whatever's going on in the world around him. Uh, I don't think that's a very good motif. So I mostly appreciate uh, the, the build-ups that occur in the song. Okay, so we get into Street Fighting Man. Yes, it's a tough song. Fine. Yeah, great melodies. Great hooks. Okay, sometimes this gets stuck, so I'm going to have to... Is there a way to pause? No, there isn't. I'm going to keep talking here. Let's play Prodigal Son, a little bit of Prodigal Son, if it allows me. So their appreciation for twang, okay. Then we'll get into Stray Cat Blues. Heavier song, I prefer uh, the song on Let It Bleed that's more along this line. I think they put a little bit of a disco kind of feel into this one. But uh, the disco feel of the song I Let It Bleed, Monkey Man. Monkey Man is my favorite Rolling Stones song. So this is a continuation of that, that's, that, that uh, vein. And then there's Factory Girl. Nice. Another, another pleasant uh, front porch song. That's a lot of what goes on here. Nice front porch Nice front front porch metal. How's that? That's my take on on Better's Make. If I was to sum it up in five seconds, and it's the song I really wanted to get to is Salt of the Earth. Salt of the Earth is my tenth favorite Rolling Stones song, and this is where they explore their gospel roots, if you will. Well, 10 seconds to go. I'm going to scroll a little bit ahead for this one. So, not that I don't recommend Rolling Stones, but not always my thing. I listened to this uh, album yesterday, released by uh, World Music Network. The album is called The Rough Guide to Scottish Folk, second edition. I give it an A. Lots of beautiful voices, and if you're looking for stunning melodies that match the picture uh, of, uh, on the front of the album, and this is ideal. This is music you want to hear in open land, staring at mountain, uh, snow-crested mountains, over a lock, with an H, of course. 
I will. I probably won't name all the artists, but this is a. This song is called "Fall of the Heron" by Kareem Power, and there. This is a. This collection is almost two hours long, so let me continue here. I'll try to get in the middle of these. And this is an instrumental, an intense instrumental, called "Full Down, Full Moon Down Under." Wendy Stewart is her name. And you get ahead right here. And you're gonna hear a lot of. Uh, Scottish vocabulary. This song is called Hugger a Bonnet Moyo. Not sure if I pronounce that properly, but I do like to do a Scottish accent whenever I get a chance to do it. All I have to do is sound angry. Alright, so I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna to do another three and a half minutes with my Scottish accent. And this song is called The Wild Geese. See if there's a man. No harm in hurting a man once in a while, is it? His name is Jim Murray, it is called the Wild Geese. And called the Norland Wind. And you can hear his accent. This is where I copied it from. I have to skip in the middle of this song. Here's an a cappella song called Queen Among the Heather. Okay, let's move on. Of course, you eventually hear us bagpipe. You know, the bagpipes originated in the Iran. Not in Scotland, but they became very popular in Scotland. This song is called Ton Bear Leon Braz, Big Leon's March. And it goes by four other names. And that's by a local marching band called the Battlefield Band. This song is called Afagel Mi Hog. Oh, I'm sorry, the properly. It's called Leaving Mingole. Afagel Mingole, that's what it's called. It's by Maggie McGinnis, more on her in a couple of minutes. And then, interestingly enough, there's a song called Maggie. I have only two minutes to go. And there are how many songs on here? There are 27 songs on the album. I want to get to the most important song on this album. It's by Maggie McGinnis. And Maggie McGinnis. This is a two CD set, and she's given her own CD for the for the for the other album. So she gets eleven songs, twelve songs on the album, and this one is my twenty eighth favorite song. It's called Ismach Andia Arin Mi Glossod. Early today I set out. All right, taking a break from my Scottish accent. All right, here's what I want to say about this song. Ominous feel to it, isn't it? The story is it repeats lines all over the place, and it's about going up on a hill, and naturally somebody dies in the song. It's a recurring theme in a lot of folk music. What I love about this song and why it's my 28th favorite song. Uh, love the bass. This song to me is uh, in three and a half minutes. I think it captured the essence of Tubular Bells better than Tubular Bells did. In Tubular Bells, the theme from The Exorcist, it gets bored, really, it gets more, it, it wears down really, really fast. But this song sums it up in three and a half minutes. What an incredible melody. I'm not sure if you can hear the bass or not. I just continue to recommend this. Oh, here, this is what I was getting to. Yeah, I accidentally skipped. 
So, I have only 10 seconds to go, and I, 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 I hope I gave you at least a, a rough idea of what to expect from the second edition of the Rough Guide to Scottish Folk. <laughs>